Please be seated. And the church said? Amen. Amen. And shout hallelujah unto the Lord. Oh, I was going to have you stand back up. No, I'm just kidding. One of these weeks I'm going to get up here. It's a little loud. But I'm going to get up and sit in a chair and have everybody stand up. And it's going to be a real short sermon. Not over an hour and a half, I promise. God is good, amen? amen? It is good to see you today. Love all of you so much. Thank you so much. If you're visiting again, thank you, thank you, thank you. And people from back east and uh, the actual north-northeast, we're thankful. Uh, some from Kentucky, my home land, I guess. I'm thankful for them being here as well. They heard a good preacher was going to be here today, but he won't be here until next week. So you just got to hang around another week. Um, Kent Markham will be here next Sunday. Uh, Kent is the brother of Gary Markham. Uh, he is one of the missionaries that we support, that group that goes to Ecuador. And he's, he's really a really good preacher too. So we're going to be blessed. I know you'll be blessed next week when he comes and visits here. Welcome him, encourage him, sing loud and praises to the Lord. Amen? All right, Don and I will be in St. Louis and join the grandkids for fall break. We can't wait to get up there and be a part of that. I want to talk to you today about where you're looking, because where you are looking is where you're going to end up. You're either going to end up in one of two places. You're going to end up in good hands or not so good hands. But really, it's your decision in life of what it is that you're going to receive in life and whose hands you're going to wind up in in life. They tell us that some reptiles have the amazing ability to look in two different directions simultaneously. Their eyes function independently of one another. It can, one can look backward, one can look forward, but yet they can read what they see. I think that's a pretty neat feature, don't you? I'd like to be able to do that. I think my mom could when I was growing up. I think mothers all have that uh, ability to do that. But we humans, beings, we're not equipped that way for our uh, vision, our type of focus that we can have. We can only look at uh, one direction at a time. The focus is more for us in a, in a one area thing. We have other perks like uh, depth perception we have where some of these do not. We have this insect-free diets, most of us, but maybe you like locusts, I'm not sure. But nonetheless, we have those things. But limitations are ours because we are humans. But not only in the physical sense of vision, but also in the spiritual focus of our lives and what it is that we go through and what it is that we focus on in our lives. When we stand between a problem of the circumstances that we might find ourselves in and the problem of this in this process and the promises of God, something can be focused on greater one or the other. You can't serve two masters, the scripture teaches us, of course. When that happens, when we try to focus on both, things get a little haywire. But yet, we as humans fall in those categories, there are no doubt. When we focus on the problem, the result can paralyze us. At least if not that, it, it causes anxiety or it causes us some type of stress that comes within us and we are overwhelmed sometimes with that stress that comes. A hunting term might be a deer in headlight look. It is something that brings us this anxiety again or this, this uh, stress in our lives. When we focus on the promises of God, however, something else takes place according to Scripture. What we receive when we look at the promises of God instead of the problem of man, 
What we then receive, God says, is we receive power. We receive not only power, but faith and the presence of God himself in that. And then we have the peace that passes all understanding. There are many things that happen in your life and my life that I just don't understand. I don't know why this happens and this doesn't happen. But God tells us in Philippians chapter 4 here, it tells us that he will give us peace that passes all understanding. So when we're resting in God's promises, we can have the peace that God has promised that we would receive. Give me an amen. Amen. It's important for us to understand that as we move through this journey together in our lives. Now it seems like, if you will, it's an easy task. It does, but it's not. But our tendency is to gaze at the problems more than we gaze at God's faithfulness. Anybody have a problem with that except for me? We gaze at the problem more than we gaze at God's faithfulness. Swindoll said it this way in one of his books. He said, worry, for instance. He said he felt that worry was probably the greatest American indoor sport. It is because it's what we do in our lives. And the reason why you worry mostly is because you're focused on the wrong thing. The wonderful thing about God as Christians is that we have God that we can focus on. And it can take that worry, that stress, and make it a whole lot less than what it really would be to the rest of the world. So when you go through your problems and your circumstances, is the world seeing you stress out? Or are they seeing you looking up, having this great faith that comes through all of that? Which one is it? And those are things to examine yourself, as Aaron even mentioned earlier, and that's how you can examine yourself. How am I dealing with the stress in my life? Anyone dealing with stress today? Anyone dealing with anxiety today? Anyone dealing with a major problem today? Have you received that phone call this week, this month, this year that said, whoa, it put me in a world spin? Is your finances in ruin perhaps? And there's a problem, there's a stress, there's anxiety, there's tension in the family, and especially, and normally it's taken out on the ones that we care for and love the most. One reason why it comes to that is because we are focused on the wrong thing. There's no doubt. When we worry, we take our focus off the very thing that will get us through. And this is important. You need to understand this. Looking through your problem is different than looking at your problem. Looking through your problem is different than looking at your problem. When you look at your problem, you stop. It halts you. When you look through your problem, your focus is on Jesus himself, the one that will and has promised that he would get you through. It's where Christ is saying, come on, I'm here with you. I promised you I would never leave you. I promised you that I never forsake you. Why do you think I told you that? Come on, I'm here for you. I'm not going to leave you on this one either. Does someone need to hear that today? Have you forgotten that God has said, I'm here to get you through? I'm here for you. The problem that you have right now is not greater than me. It may be greater than you, but it's not greater than me. So if we put our focus on Christ, we can do all things. Give me an amen. The proper way to look through your problem for the Christian is certainly to keep your eyes, our eyes, on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of our faith. When you get your eyes off Jesus, your faith drops. Keep your eyes on Jesus, your faith grows. You have little faith, focus in on Jesus, your faith is going to grow. God tells us how this thing works, but we are human. God knows that. 
Meanwhile, the God of the universe, the one that holds all within his hand, he's got the whole world in his hands, we sing. And he's got that, and he's saying, will you allow me to help you through this problem, this situation in your life? All throughout Scripture, God shows us that he alone can be trusted. Can I have an amen? If you don't read God's word, you can't find that. Somebody might tell you about it, but when you read God's Word, and it is the truth from cover to cover, remember that when you read God's Word and you discover what it is that He did before, you know He's the same God that can do it again. Give me an amen. Amen. What He did in the old, He can do in the new. What He did for someone else, He can do for me. Give me an amen. amen. It's important in our lives to understand that and capture that. We don't walk alone. We walk with God in this process. So all throughout Scripture, God has showed us over and over time again that what seems to be impossible for man is not impossible for God. It never will be. Take Abraham and Sarah, for instance. We might go to them a lot, especially in the faith, the father of faith, Abraham. But here's here's a key on this. When you look at something in the New Testament that's referred from the Old Testament, Pay attention, because in the Old Testament, if it's written in the Old Testament and the New Testament, it's there for a reason, okay? It's a reminder. It's trying to call our attention back. Oh, yeah, remember that. But watch what it does. In the Old Testament, it will tell you about the person or the people at the time that God worked on in their lives and brought his promises to pass. Give me an amen. In the New Testament, it refers not only to them, but it includes you and me. That's good. So when it's referred from the old to the new, you need to pay real close attention. So let's see if we can find out something in this story today. This story is not about Abraham and Sarah. It includes them. But this story is actually about you and me, children of God. Romans chapter 4. Therefore, the promise comes by faith. you got to slow down when you read. Remember, you can read too fast and miss. The promise comes by faith or through faith. See, your faith is what activates the promises of God. Many of you can't re- and don't, do not receive, do not receive the promises of God for one of two reasons. Number one, you don't know what the promises are. And number two, you're not activating your faith. If we do what God tells us to do, will we receive, will we receive what God has promised us? Very good. Do you know what he's told you? Do you know what he's promised you? So if you're dealing with something, try to find something in Scripture where you can hang your hat on a promise of God and stand on the promises of God. We sing that song sometimes, standing on the promises of God. All of God's promises are true, are they not? Do you know them? It's important for you to, especially when you work through troubles, Now, we know the story of Abraham and Sarah, of course, here. But as it is written in verse number 17, it says there, I have made you the father of many nations. That's Abraham. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed. Watch this. He says, the God who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. Have you read that lately? Do you believe that God can do that? Do you believe that God, listen to what it says there. That God, who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not. 
Do you believe that? Then what problem do you have that God can't solve? You see it? So now what we've got to do is we've got to get in the right place. You get in the right place, you can get the right results. Get in the wrong place, get wrong results. Good hands, bad hands. Got it? Unless you come, write this down, somebody, this is good. Not because it's from me, but it's from God. Unless you come to the understanding of God, an understanding of God you are dealing with, you will not release what's in you in order to receive what is God wants to get you through His Son, Jesus Christ. You have to come to the understanding who the God that you're dealing with, that who you have placed your trust in. This is not just somebody, this is God. And when you come to the understanding of that and really believe that with all of your heart, you then can release what's in you, which is faith, and that faith activates the promise, which now comes back to you as children. God is a God that is in the rewarding business. Can I have a man? Amen. It's important for us to realize that. Only God can take nothing and make something. Only God can take nothing and make something. Did you catch that? It's really important. Everything that you and I do, we have to take something to make something else with. Take a bunch of steel, put it together, weld it together, and make this big skyscraper. You ladies, you go to the cupboards, you get ingredients. You mix the right ingredients, stir it up just right, put it in a nice-looking pan, put it in the oven at a particular uh, temperature, and when it's finished, you pull it out. You make up another, take some more ingredients, you mix that up real nice, you put it on top of this thing called a chocolate cake, and you made a wonderful cake for Harley-Davidson. There you go. <laughs> but you took something to make something else. Something that didn't taste so great, you put together, and somehow it tastes delicious. And I love chocolate cake, by the way. But remember, I'm out of town this next week, so save it for the following week. But that's how it works. But listen to this. God doesn't need ingredients. God doesn't take ingredients to make something else. God is God. He didn't say, well, let's see, Jesus, how are we going to figure out this light thing for the world? Hmm, I don't know. Edison ain't here yet, so what do you think? I don't know. So let's just try this and see if it works. No. The Scripture says that God said, let there be light. What happened? There was light. That's the God that we get to have a relationship with through Jesus Christ. Can I have an amen? amen. That's pretty powerful stuff. God can take the nothing you think is nothing and create the something you desire. When you don't walk in faith, you don't get God's promises. I can't say that enough. Your faith is the ingredient you need to keep in the cupboard, your heart. You need to keep that always up front. Because what is what, that is again what activates God's promises in our life. Probably all of us at different difficult trials in our lives. I don't know what you've been through, but most families have been through a, a variety of things. Something you might be going through even at this time. Maybe it's a divorce. Maybe it's the cancer word. Maybe it's a child's rebellion. Maybe it's a loss of a loved one. Maybe it's health problems just in general. Maybe it's just aging. Maybe it's a loss of a job. Some maybe even loss of retirements. 
and you don't know what to do. But when those things come along, we usually get some advice from other people. And you know what that advice is? Turn it over to God, sweetheart. Just turn it over to God, sweetheart. Now, that's really good advice. And probably every one of us in this room has probably told somebody, I know I have, told somebody, just turn it over to God. Just, just go ahead and turn it over to God. It is great advice, but how in the world do you accomplish that? You see, when it's, when it's my problem, you can tell me when it's my problem, and I can tell you that when it's your problem. But when it's my problem, I got a whole different attitude. How about you? Because it's my problem. If it's your problem, oh, turn it over to God. And you're saying, turn it over to God. Yeah, but. And then we want to fill in the blanks there, don't we? It's tough. In this, how do we get the burden out of our hands and into the hands of the God that holds it all in the first place? How do we do that? But not only how do we do that, but how do we leave it there? You ever have a tendency to pick back up something that you've laid down at the feet of the cross? I, I do a prayer class usually once a year. I do a prayer class during about a quarter's worth. And it's talk, we talk about just praying. How do you pray? Why do you pray? Who do you pray? And all these things, that, that process. Because a lot of people really struggle with that in their life. And so I usually offer that once a year. It's a closed class. Once you get in there, it's a closed meaning that we're not going to just continually add people because we begin to pray together. Brothers and sisters, we pray. We learn that. But one of the things I teach in that class, and maybe I've mentioned it before, is that you see in this process of all of this, I don't, I don't normally have a problem taking it to God. I have a problem leaving it with God. It's as though I think I know better than God. And so what I do is I describe it as a, these, this luggage that we have. Luggage, our luggage has handles on it. And, and so what we do is we, we lug this luggage around. It has a handle on it so it's easier to carry. Now we even put wheels on it so we can just roll it around. I think some of us are even doing that with God. We take this luggage before God and we open it up and we say, Here it is, God. Here's all my stuff, good, bad, ugly, and stuff I don't know what in the world I'm doing with. And here's all my dirty laundry over on this side. And here it is. And then when we get finished, what we do is we close it back up. And oftentimes what we do is we grab the handle and we lug it back with us. See you tomorrow, God. So what do I tell people? Here's the thing. Here's the key. When you take something to God, when your luggage to God, take the handles off. Get the handles off your luggage. Why? Because your luggage is harder to carry with no handles. And the harder it is to carry you'll come to the conclusion that you can't. And you have to leave it because it's too much. And at that moment, I believe God says, now, I've got you right where I want you. I want to bless you with my promises. Don't take it back with you. Leave it at the foot of the cross. Can I have an Amen. So how do we do that? Well, perhaps we can find it in Romans chapter 4. In this chapter, Paul discusses the process that Abraham used. 
Now, if Abraham is the father of faith, he would be a good example to go to, correct? But there are things that Abraham did that I don't want to follow the example. But there are many things that Abraham did that I would want to follow the example. There are times when Abraham jumped out of the hands of God. Remember when he lied? I don't want to follow that example, do you? Of course not. But there are times that he had great faith, and this was one of them, and that's what I want to emulate in my life. And I believe that's what God wants us to do. Paul discusses the process that Abraham went through and believing the very nature or unlikeliness, unlikeliness of the promise that God had made Abraham, which was, you and Sarah are going to have a child. After describing God as this one is the one who gives life to the dead and calls things as though they uh, that are not as though they are, Paul makes it clear what Abraham did. In, in one translation, he says it this way. Go ahead. There was no hope that Abraham would have children. There was no hope that Abraham would have children. But Abraham believed God and continued. Hoping. That's pretty good stuff, isn't it? There's no way I can do this. There's no way we're going to get through this. There's no way this is going to happen. It's finished. It's over. It's done. All hope is gone. But not with old Abraham. Abraham considered the fact that he and Sarah were far too old to have children. And he probably had a lot of questions. Or I think he may have had some questions about this, that how God would accomplish his promise. But, but according to Romans chapter 4, it says, he didn't focus on the questions that he might have had, and I might say rightfully so. Do you think that Abraham might have just sat on a rock someday and simply said, maybe to himself, maybe not to God, God, I ain't talking to you right now, I'm just talking to me. Did you ever just talk to you? Anybody besides me? I'm thinking Abraham might have just simply said something like this, God, have you noticed how old I am? I mean, my last birthday, I'm almost 100 years old. 100 years old don't have children. If your great-grandpa calls you and says, me and nanny's having a baby, you better get a white jacket. But not old Abraham. Not Abraham at all. Notice. He focused on the faithfulness of God. He focused on the promise of God. If God promised it, it doesn't matter from a thousand years old. Abraham focused on the right thing. He got to a place where he did not waver in his unbelief. Listen to this, write it down. You see, if you focus on your problem long enough, you will get to the point of unbelief. Did you hear that? There are people not in church today is because they focused on their problem way too much. And they got to the point, it was, it's done. I might as well just give it up. If you focus on your problem too long, you will get to the point of unbelief because your faith will become weaker and weaker and weaker and weaker until it is no faith. But old Abraham, notice what it says there, being fully persuaded, fully persuaded, that God had power to do what he had promised, 21 and 20, 20 and 21. He took his eyes off the problem and gazed at the promise, or better yet, the promiser. Who are you gazing at? 
And keep in mind, real faith is always fully persuaded. Did you hear that one? Real faith is always fully persuaded. And the scripture, the scripture says that God gives everyone a measure of faith. You have faith. Every one of us have a measure, has a measure of faith. Now, faith is this. Faith moves like this in our lives, up and down, up and down. Nobody has a faith that just does this. It's up and down. It's the way it runs in our lives. But in this process, you can take the little faith that you have and be fully persuaded that God can, and He can do something with it. So matter if you have a little faith or a great big faith, it activates God's promises in your life. You should desire to grow your faith because you see when you take a little faith and it activates the promise of God in your life and you receive it, instead of saying, boy, I'm good to go now, I'm just on my way. You've got to give God praise and glory, praise and glory, praise and glory to God. Why? Because that's how you grow your faith. I didn't do this, God, you did. You brought me through. How many people in this room has God brought you through something? Raise your hand. That's faith. You had faith in God. How many of you in this room believe that God, God can do greater things still in your life? Raise your hand. All of us, double up. Because we believe that we believe and we should always be fully persuaded. Give me an amen. Here's a song that we sing sometimes. It comes right out of 2 Timothy chapter 1. Scripture says there, For this reason I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep what I have committed to him until that day. Fully persuaded. Our God is a faithful God. There should be an amen at that. Our God is a faithful God, and when we release our faith, we are giving the situation over to Him, whatever it might be, refusing, refusing to take it back. Knowing what? Knowing whatever God chooses to do with my problem that I've handed over to Him, whatever He chooses to do with it, ultimately it is the best anyway. It's the best. Whatever God chooses to do with it. If your yes is yes and your no is no. And sometimes God says no, but receive it as a yes. Because God knows better than you do. It's important in our lives. Some people get upset with God. You remember the, one, the guy that got upset with God? He said, I don't like the way you did things. God said, well, if you don't like the way you did things, why don't you go ahead and make your own universe? He said, I think I will. He reached down to pick up a clump of dirt and God said, get your own dirt. You see, God can do all things. We can't. But when we're in Christ, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Th strengthens me through my problems, my circumstance, my troubles, my trials. The things that I hurt with. God says, I'll be there with you. I'll be your comforter when you need it. Dealing with a family, this tragedy this past week. Um, some of the ladies were taking some food there and was able to go and visit with the families and and the family there, and just have prayer with them, just to be there. Thanked us just for coming and showing support and comfort, just to comfort them. Praying that God would send the comfort of the Holy Spirit to rest in their lives, going through this tragic thing. 
But there were many things in that that they were pulling from that were the positives. After all, think about this. If you hold on to it and you can't change it, you can't fix it or resolve it, what good is it for? I'm going to do this one these days. I'm going to bring, we have a drawer in one of our cabinets at the house. You, you know what I call it? Junk drawer. Anybody got one of those at home? I will tell you, I, have, I, I, I don't know where half this stuff came from. Donna, what have you done? No, I'm just, so you open the drawer, but there's things in there that are good, scissors or pencils, pens, whatever in there that you need, batteries perhaps. But there are some things in there, they are, uh, uh, there is no value, they're broken, the thing is not going to ever just, it's all over the place. You can't fix it, you know you can't fix it, but you won't throw it in the trash. Anybody there? All right. So listen to this. If you hold on to your problem, your situation, your hurt, your pain, your sin, if you hold on to all of that and you can't change it, you can't fix it, or you can't resolve it, what good is it for? It's of no value, is it? Only when you let it go in faith does he take them and work out the answers for your life. How do I know that? Got to go to Scripture, Romans chapter 8. And we know that in all things God works for the good. It doesn't say all things are good because all things are not good. The tragedy I just told you about, that is not good. But God's promise is, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. I believe that promise. I have seen it come to pass in my own life, in my family's life. We've been called, you and I have been called into the kingdom of God, that God, the God of the universe, is a, in charge of all things. All He wants me to do is to release mine back to Him. Are you willing to release it today? Or are you still holding on? I'll tell you this one, how they catch monkeys in the jungle. How do they do that? One way they do it is they get a coconut. They cut a hole in the top of the coconut just big enough so the monkey can weave his hand through that hole. At the bottom of that coconut, they drill a little hole and stick a rope through there. They tie a banana on it. Tie the rope to the tree. The monkey comes along, ooh, 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 looks, oh, banana. Sticks his hand down in there and grabs the banana. When he grabs the banana, he, he won't release. So he's handcuffed to the coconut. All he has to do is release the banana and his hand will come out. But he won't release it. So they come along, capture the monkey, send him to the zoo or wherever. We're often like that, aren't we? We hold the things that God wants us to release and it handcuffs us to the problem instead of the promise. God wants us to release it back to Him. Back to Him. When you look at your obstacles or your situation instead of God as a Christian, you are actually saying to God, God, I trust me in this 
more than I trust you in this. Maybe next time. Wow. Think about that. If you let go of the things in your hands, whose hands will it be in? If you're a child of God and He holds all things, He holds you in the palm of His hand, if He's holding you, if you let go of it, who's holding it? God is. God is. That ought to make you feel pretty secure. You along with your issues are in God's hands. If you let go of the circumstance and the worry and the stress and all those things, they remain in God's hands. But they no longer remain in your hands. And they're in good hands. Because they're in God's hands. That's where faith comes in. The way to focus on the promise rather than to problem is to emulate Abraham in this situation. Do not waver. Be fully persuaded in God that He is able to do greater things than you ever thought possible. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20. And God, God will show His faithfulness to His people. Decide today whose hands you want to be in. Decide today who you want your problems to rest in. Then you can rest in His hands yourself. Scripture says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. I was thinking about that one this week as I was writing out some of these things and, and I thought about that. Where's that verse? Where's that verse? Psalms 107. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And I wrote, when is the last time you said so? When is the last time he heard you say so? I think somebody here needs to say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Have you been redeemed? Think about it just for a second. Don't lose me now. Have you been redeemed? Are you still wrestling with your sin? If you will be willing to open your hand and release it to God, release your heart to God, His promise to you is that He will catch you and He will save you. That is His promise. And He's never dropped one ever that's given their life to Him. And He won't drop you. For the rest of us, what problems are your, what problems are in your hands today? Is it anger? Is it doubt? Is it pain? Is it fear? Is it resentment? Is it jealousy? Is it pride? Is it worry or any of the other thousand things that it could be? Have you made a decision to release it today? Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. For today we're going to offer a song just for you. Maybe today is the day you want to release it back to God once and for all. We're going to sing this song just for you. You come together as we stand and sing.